1 Samuel chapter number 10. I'm going to attempt to close out this series today on the prophetic. We've been talking about the prophetic, wow, I don't know, maybe six weeks. This could be seven, could be more. Amen. And we can actually talk about this for the rest of the year. Um, but I'm going to try to stop here. Uh, we'll pick it up again, I'm sure, at some point. But I feel led of the Lord to try to, to wrap this series up. Amen. And so we've been talking for the last two weeks under the subject prophetic perception. And so today I'm just going to continue in that vein. This will be part three to that message. Amen. And uh, hopefully with a little bit of time I have, I can make this thing happen. Amen. First Samuel chapter 10. If you are here and you're visiting today for the first time, we thank God for you. Amen. You're coming into the last part of like a seven-part series, so bear with us. Amen. I'd encourage you to go ahead and, and get the CDs uh, or go on our um, Facebook page and look for the teachings on the prophetic. Amen. So that you can kind of catch up because we're already beyond the basics. <laughs> and we're in that place, hallelujah, where the Bible talks about deep calleth unto deep. Amen. First Samuel. And I've used this story on and off, but today I'm really going to home in on this particular story. First Samuel chapter 10. Beginning at verse number one. I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And the word of the Lord says this so. Then Samuel, the prophet, took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head. Talking about King Saul, the first king of Israel. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? Not over your own inheritance, over his inheritance because it is the Lord's next verse when thou art departed from me today then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulcher in the border of Benjamin at Zelzah and they will say unto thee the donkeys which thou wentest to seek are found and lo thy father has left the care of these donkeys and sorroweth for you saying what shall I do for my son. Next verse. Then shalt thou go on forward from thence. Then shalt thou go on forward. Not backwards. Forward. From thence. And thou shalt come to the plain of Tabar. And there shall meet thee. Watch this now. Three men going up to God to Bethel. And carrying three kids. And talking about goats by the way. And another carrying three loaves of bread. And another carrying a bottle of wine. And they will salute thee. And give thee two loaves of bread. Which thou shalt receive of their hands. Next verse. After that thou shalt come to the hill of God. Where is the garrison of the Philistines. And it shall come to pass when thou art come thither to the of prophets. Here we go. Coming down from the high place. I love that. Coming down from high place with a psaltery and a tabret, a pipe and a harp before them. Who said God don't like music? Watch this. And they shall prophesy. Last verse. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee. 
and thou shalt prophesy with them and thou shalt be turned into another man and thou shalt be turned into another man and so we just wanted to continue to talk about prophetic perception let's go to the Lord in prayer Father in Jesus name we worship you and magnify your name have your way in this place now minister to your people in a powerful way and we thank you for it in advance in Jesus name and the church said amen and amen there has been plenty that we have said already about the prophetic the office of the prophet amen uh, the gift of prophecy and even the spirit of prophecy and I can't get into all that again amen hallelujah it's one of the main things that we have learned is that prophecy has the power to turn the heart of an individual I said it has the prophetic word has the power to turn the heart of an individual if I had time I would take you back to John chapter 4 where you read the story about the Samaritan woman and oftentimes when you hear people preach about the Samaritan woman uh, the preaching is never about the prophetic how many times have we heard a message on the Samaritan woman? Amen. But how often is the connection made with the prophetic in that story? And it's amazing to me because I will submit to you that her heart is turned when the prophetic is activated. And, and I can't go to it, but because I believe you know this story like I do, amen, yeah, she's at the well, Jesus is at the well waiting for her. They, they begin a dialogue. The dialogue is about water, but it's not really about water. It begins with water, but it's really about worship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because this woman is thirsty. She's thirsty, hallelujah. But she's not just thirsty for water. She's thirsty for fulfillment. She is a woman who is unsatisfied. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so she's having a dialogue with Jesus, and when Jesus gets ready to release her into her destiny, he starts talking to her history. I'm going to say something about that some more in a little while. But watch this. If you know the story like I do, when she finally comes to grips with her need, she tells Jesus, give me that water that you're talking about so that I don't have to continue to depend on a hole in the earth for my fulfillment. Because Jesus told her, as long as you come to this well, and depend on this well to satisfy you, you're going to have to keep coming back to it. But if you drink from the water that I have, you'll never thirst again. So she said, give me that water. I want that water. And here's where the prophetic kicks in. And Jesus says, okay, get your husband. And she looks at him strangely and she says, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, well, you have said correctly because you've had five. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with right now is not your husband. So, oh, so watch, watch the prophetic speaking to her pain. Her dissatisfaction stems from failed relationships. You've had five husbands, and now you've given up on marriage altogether, and the one you're with is not even your husband. And the prophetic is coming to speak to her pain. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And when he says, get your husband, and she says, I don't, I don't have a husband. He says, yeah, you've had five, and the one you're with right now is not your husband. She perceives, she goes, art thou a prophet? <laughs> Even she perceived what it was that came to begin to turn her heart. And if you read the rest of that story, her whole life shifts, and everything changes when the prophetic came into the picture. Are you in this place, church? Amen. Hallelujah. 
you know, uh, throughout the last couple of weeks, we've, we've done some in-depth uh, looking into false prophets. Because while there are prophets of the Lord, there are also false prophets. Amen? And while we understand that there is only one true and living God who has prophets, amen, there are also false gods who have mouthpieces. I said there are also false gods who have many mouthpieces. And the Bible refers to them as false prophets. Amen. This is why you need to be very careful that you're not simply impressed because somebody, hallelujah, uh, was able to, to, to tell you your address and you never gave it to them. Are you following what I'm saying? But here's what you have to understand. You know, uh, the enemy has power. And so, you know, do not be deceived. The, the, people are going to visit psychics for a reason. Amen? And I will submit to you that a psychic can probably talk to you about what's happening in your life right now. But if they cannot tell you God's heart on the issue, they are a false prophet. Uh, they are a soothsayer and a soul reader. A psychic could read your soul but can't read the heart of God. And so you have to be careful that you're not easily impressed by some false power. Are you in this place? Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Listen. How many of you in this place know that you can't just make up the future as you go along? I said you can't just make up the future as you go along. Now, let, me, let me read something to you. If, how many of you have dared to read the book of Revelation? <laughs> if you've read the book of Revelation, you know it's a very challenging book. Amen. But let me show you how the book starts. The book starts by saying something like, blessed is the man who keeps the words of this prophecy. Blessed is the man who keeps the words of this prophecy. Now, here's what you have to understand. The reason you can't make up the future as you go along is because the future has been predetermined. It has been predefined. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. In other words, the spirit of prophecy wrote it. This is why you don't decide your destiny. You discover it. Oh, God, have mercy. I said, you don't decide your destiny. You discover your destiny because it has already been predefined, predetermined. Are you in this place? Can I prove it to you? Show me Psalm 139. We're going to do enough reading right now for the whole week. I'm going to hook you up. Psalm 139. Hallelujah. If you got an NIV, it's going to be even more powerful. Hallelujah. I like the NIV version. Even though we're going to put it up here and read it in the KJV. Read it when you have a chance in the NIV. Amen. Watch this now. Oh, Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. That's powerful, right? God has already searched you and known you. You know how we often look at somebody and say, you don't know me. You, you can't say that to God. All right. Thou knowest my downsetting. And my uprising, my coming in and my going out. Thou understandest my thought afar off. NIV, you know my thoughts afar off. That's powerful. 
and that's scary. He knows my thought. Listen, as the thoughts are coming to me, before they come to me, he knows them. <laughs> Afar off. Nobody in here would volunteer to put their thoughts up on the screen that they had all week. I'm waiting for somebody to go, I will. Yeah, right. Let's go. <laughs> Thou compassest my path and my lying down and are acquainted <laughs> with all my ways. The good ones. All my ways. Next verse. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Before I release a word out of my mouth, you know it. Whew. So even if you didn't say it, he knows what you thought you wanted to say. It's still wise not to say it. Let me just throw that in there. That's wisdom. Don't always say what you think. But just know that God knows what you think, even though you don't say it. That's a powerful God. All right. It's going to get better. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. This is the psalmist talking. That's so powerful. Amen. Listen, listen to what that says. Before and after, and you have your hand on me. Watch this. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, so high, I cannot attain unto it. Woo. Next verse. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Where can I run from you, God? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Listen to what it says. If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. And I'm sure you knew that one. But if I make my bed in hell, <laughs> behold, thou art there. There ain't nowhere you can run. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Next verse. Even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. I said, oh my God, somebody better make Psalm 139 one of your favorite psalms after tonight. Watch this. If I say, surely darkness shall cover me. Have you ever said that to yourself? Oh my God. Watch this. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. I, I wish I had time. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. It's going to get better. For thou hast possessed my reins, and thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. The NIV says, you have knit me carefully together in my mother's womb. Ooh, isn't that powerful? Watch the next one now. I will praise thee. Why? For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I didn't evolve from no animal. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That text says, he knit me carefully together in my mother's womb. Marvelous are thy works. And that my soul knoweth. My soul knows that right and well. Next verse. 
my substance, uh-oh, my substance was not hid from thee. When I was made where? When I was made in secret. Ooh, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. I like the NIV because the NIV says, you saw my unformed body before you made me. Oh, God, help me in here. You remember when we were here on Sunday and we were talking about how God determines the purpose before the person? This just confirms that. You saw me. My unformed frame was not hid from your eyes. Before You saw me before I was made. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book, uh-oh, and in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. And I like the NIV because the NIV says, before a day of my life was lived out, you already have my whole story written in your book. Did you know that God had other books? You better read your Bible. Read Daniel. You're going to find out God had other books. Your salvation is written in a book. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Because God got some other books. God help me in this place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you're, according to that text, your whole life was written in that book before one day of it was lived out. Okay, okay, I'm going somewhere with this. Just stay with me. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. That when I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God, depart from me, therefore ye bloody men. I'll, I'll stop reading right now, hallelujah. If you continue to read, or, or, or whether I missed it or not, uh, there's a part of it that says, watch this, that even the hairs on your head are numbered. Do you understand how powerful that is? I said the very hairs on your head are numbered. That does not mean, that does not mean, he didn't say counted. He didn't say counted. Counted would mean that he knows just how many are on your head, right? But numbered means that if one fell off, that if just one hair fell off, God knows some of mine have fallen off. If one fell off, he can look at it and say number 2,462,426 just fell off my servant's head. No, no, you don't. You see, you still don't get it. You don't get how powerful he is. Let me, let me try to help you. Let me try to help you. Because somebody in here is thinking, yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor. I shaved this morning. But here's what you need to understand. When the Bible says numbered, that means that when you shaved this morning, heaven adjusted its books. I said, when you shave this morning, heaven adjusted their records. Hallelujah. Oh, God, because that's how interested heaven is about your life. So it don't matter if you shave, got a cut today. Heaven has already adjusted its records and your hairs are still numbered. <laughs> are you in this place, church? 
Oh, my God, have mercy in here. Before you came to be, God scheduled, planned, and wrote about your life in a publication in the heavenlies. Are you in this place, church? My God, there's a book with my story, my whole story in it. You are not just the byproduct of your mama and your daddy getting together. You are the byproduct of a thought in the mind of God before your daddy ever met your mama. God, help me in here. That's how planned out your life has been. He saw every day of it before you got here. Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I already knew thee, already sanctified thee, already separated thee to be a prophet unto the nations. That all happened before I formed you in the belly. Just in case you were thinking you didn't have a purpose. <laughs> Amen. Let me help you with that right now. In other words, nobody is an accident. I don't care how you got here. You are not an accident. Are you in this place? So watch this. So when we're talking about the prophetic or prophecy, you might ask the question, where does it come from? Listen, it's very simple. Hallelujah. When God, listen, when somebody, when God uses somebody to prophesy to you, to speak to you about your destiny, amen, God has given, God has given that individual access to a page in your book. According to the psalmist, your book has already been written. And understand, hallelujah, what that means is that your book has chapters, your book has paragraphs, your book has sentences. And when God's getting ready to prophesy to you, he'll use another person and give that person insight on a page, maybe a paragraph, maybe a half a paragraph. Sometimes all you need is a sentence. Because a sentence is probably all you can handle at this juncture, hallelujah, of your life and your spiritual walk with God. But God knows this. And so God will give an individual, whether it's a paragraph, half a paragraph, a sentence, right out of your book. Watch this. To speak life to you. To counterattack the enemy's attempt to change your narrative. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Mm. Because how many of you know that he will try to do that? Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. And so this is what the Bible means when it says we prophesy in part. There's a whole story, but I don't get the whole story. Are you here? I prophesy, we prophesy in part. And we only know in part. Are you with me so far in this place? Can we go a little bit deeper? Hallelujah. So watch this. Some people say that a prophet only comes to confirm something that you already know. I want you to think about that for a second. We've already talked about this, so I'm just going to recap, okay? That a prophet only comes to confirm something you already heard. But if you already know it, you don't need him. Now, he can come to confirm something you already know because you just need that extra confirmation. But at the same time, we talked about categories of the prophetic and we said, hallelujah, that sometimes it could be, watch this, it could be a now word, it could be a future word, it could be a confirming word, but we also said it could be a new word. 
I said it could be a new word. Are you in this place, church? My God, I, I done got so excited I didn't give you any of my points. Can you put my first point up there? Because I might be already way ahead of the game. Oh, no, no, not yet. But I'm right there. I'm right there. Watch this. Prophecy can open up portions of your potential you've never considered. Ooh. So, so wow, wow, God, watch, watch what I'm saying. Because if you believe that a prophet's only going to come to tell you something you've already heard, you could be hindering the unlocking of something new God wants to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? And just to put some more substance under that, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. When the angel Gabriel, who is God's messenger, comes to Mary and gives her a prophetic word about her future and lets her know that she is going to be pregnant with Jesus, hallelujah, Mary didn't say, yes, I knew it. That's the confirmation that I needed. No, 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 no. That was a new word that messed her whole world up. Are you hearing what we talked a little bit about that on Sunday? Are you hearing what I'm saying? That wasn't something that the angel was coming to confirm. That was brand new. She had never heard that before. Oh, are you in this place, church? All right. Hallelujah. So understand that prophecy can open up portions of your potential you've never considered. Listen, even when Samuel, who is a prophet, goes to Jesse's house to anoint the next king, hallelujah, there's a lineup, watch this, and nobody is aware at that moment who the next king is. Not even the prophet. Because again, he prophesies in part. God help me in here. And he knows in part. And sometimes you just got to keep moving so you can get the next part. Ah, are you in this place, church? And so again, hallelujah. When God is doing a new thing, hallelujah, be mindful that you're not making the, mo the mistake to hold on to an old expectation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because some of us could make the mistake of waiting for God to fulfill an old expectation, and he's trying to do something new. You're waiting for confirmation, and God's saying, I'm doing a new thing. Ah, and if you're not careful, you make God the prisoner of your own fantasy. Of something you think you were supposed to be doing. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? This is too deep. It's Wednesday. I'm so glad we got the worship all out of us. Amen. Do you not know that the mess that the world is in today came as a result of a conversation in the garden? I said the mess that the world is in today, when you really think about it, started with a conversation that took place in the garden between a woman and a serpent. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? How many of you in here know that the, the, the serpent is the universal symbol of the occult? The, the occult has at least 34 branches, 34 branches, and that's just an umbrella, and plenty sits under that. 34 branches, and the universal symbol for all of them is the serpent. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, boy. And if you know anything about the occult, and I think we said this in one of the teachings, watch this, is that the occults 
all about, watch this, attempting to retrieve information about the future. When you think about the occult, that's all they're about. Okay, let me give you, some of you read horoscopes, hopefully not any of you. Some of you out there in social media land. Read horoscopes, watch this, because you're interested in finding out information <laughs> about your future. Psychics take your money to give you information or to try to retrieve information about your future. The occult in general is about trying to get information. God, help me in here. When Satan was talking to Eve, it was a conversation, hallelujah, about what would happen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And people are interested in knowing about their future. But what you have to understand is that the occult uses dark ways to lure you into hearing something about your future that's not true. Because Satan wants to lead you to destruction, not blessing. So he's going to entice you with things that sound good about your future, but are not true. To change your narrative, to change your story. God, help me in here. Are you in this place? Ooh. So watch this. When you look at the Genesis account, the narrative was hindered because of a false messenger. Because of a false messenger. Satan is a snake that's talking to Eve and Adam should have been the prophet of God who said, shut up, you snake. But he didn't say nothing. He didn't say nothing. So you know what God does? He has to birth a prophet in the garden. Did you not know that? He has to birth a prophet in the garden to counterattack what Satan had done and to align God's people, watch this, so they can hear from heaven again and not be intoxicated by what hell is saying. Oh, God, are you hearing what I'm saying? And if you ever get a chance and you go, um, I think it's the book of Luke, the ninth chapter, uh, verses 49 through 51, and we covered this, where Jesus himself says that Abel was the first prophet. Abel, the first prophet in the garden. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So watch this. The first prophet is birth after a woman has a conversation with a snake. She, he changed the narrative and she gets pregnant with a prophet who's coming as a communicator to align God's people again to what God is saying so they won't be intoxicated from the lies of the enemy. Are you in this place, church? Oh, man, I, I wish I could stay there. I can't stay there because I got some more I want to give you. Amen? Hallelujah. Can I submit to you that one of the ministries of the Holy Ghost is to reveal your future? Okay, let me give you the Bible. When he comes, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, he will lead you, help me out here, into all truth. Right? Watch this. And we stop right there. We go, woo, 
that's awesome. But it goes on to say, and show you things to come. He will lead you into all truth and he will show you things to come. So part of the ministry of the Holy Ghost is to talk to you about your future. Are you in this place, church? If you're blessed, shout glory. Oh, my God, help me in here. If this was a men's conference, I would get on the men right now. And I would tell the men, each one of you need to be prophetic. And, and by prophetic, I don't mean that you have to walk in the office of a prophet, but you have to at least know where you're going. And, and, and if you're having problems, hallelujah, with your spouse submitting unto you, it probably has something to do with that. Because what good is a head without eyes? I'm about to say amen and just shut it down. Listen, if he's supposed to be the head, he should have eyes that can see where we're going. What good is a head that has no eyes? Why would I submit to something that doesn't have a clue? Selah. Are you blessed in here? Let me move on because I don't want it to get sticky. I want it to be good. Amen. Watch this. <laughs> Anybody come from a military background, know a little something about the military? Amen. Here's what I begin to learn. I do a little research, hallelujah, and I found out that there are weapons in the military that are not accessible to everybody. And so there are, there are weapons that are powerful, and then there are weapons that are even more powerful. But watch this. Uh, what weapon you can use requires a rank. And so, for example, let's just say that the lowest, the lowest rank is a private. He can use a certain kind of weapon. But then you have a first sergeant, and he can use a weapon that the private cannot use that is more powerful because he's ranked higher. And because he's ranked higher, he could use weapons, hallelujah, that someone who does not have that rank can't use. Are you in this place? So watch this, hallelujah. Put my next point up there. Many are trying to accomplish things with power, and I meant to, to write that there. Uh, many are trying to accomplish things with power that can only be achieved through authority. I'm going to say that again. I'm talking about rank. Watch this. Many are trying to accomplish things with power that can only be achieved with authority. Did you not know that even the devils believe according to the Bible, but they tremble? You know why they tremble? Because Jesus outranks them. <laughs> In the every single way. Now, let me take you somewhere else. How many of you know the story of the sons of Sceva? If you don't know the story of the sons of Sceva, tonight that's your homework. You read Acts chapter 19. You read Acts chapter 19, you're going to see the story of the sons of Sceva. The sons of Sceva, watch this, were these uh, religious men, watch this, who saw the apostle Paul rebuking demons and having success. Paul had authority. He would rebuke a demon and the demon would leave the person. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so these men saw what Paul did. They analyzed what Paul did. They studied what Paul did, what Paul said, and then said, we're going to try it. Because if we do what he did and we say what he said, it should work for us like it worked for him. Right? Wrong. Wrong. 
<laughs> so, so watch this. They come up to a man they know is demon-possessed. Now, that makes me kind of giggle a little bit because they knew somebody. And you don't got to say nothing in here. But when I started talking about that, I'm sure somebody popped in your head that you know needs them some Jesus. Let me stop. <laughs> so watch this. Long story short, they just happened to know somebody, knew where they were, went over there, and they come up to the person, and they say these words, I adjure you. They were real proper. I adjure you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. So watch this. The devil in the person, or devils, rolls up and started to talk back. And here's what he said. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who? <laughs> who are you? And, and here's what you have to understand. Because a lot of people preach this and they'll say that they didn't have no power. But understand, they use the name. Because the power ain't in you anyway. The power's in the name. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. The power is in the name. And they use the name. So they weren't questioning the power. They were questioning the authority. Hear me, hear me. Because in essence what they were saying is, Jesus I know. Because I've had to submit to that authority. Paul, I know, because he has rank in the kingdom. And we've had to submit to his authority. But we ain't the least intimidated by you. We don't know you. You don't have no rank. You don't have no authority. And so if we're not careful, we'll try to accomplish with power Something that can only be achieved through authority. Are you in this place? Oh, my God, help me in this place. Hallelujah. Are you blessed, church? Mm, 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 mm. Watch this. I'm very careful when it comes to the prophetic. Amen. I'm a five-fold ministry guy. You've heard me say it all the time. Five-fold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. All of it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm concerned about how some people will easily rule out two out of the, two out of the five full ministry. Amen? When, you know, when I read my Bible, I understand that prophets were around even before the church was. Watch this. Don't get it twisted when the Bible says, and he set some in the church, apostles. An apostle had to see Jesus. So an apostle came when the church was here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, so, so the pastor, are you, are you following what I'm saying? But prophets, according to Jesus, was around from Genesis. And all throughout the Bible, you see the prophet, even before you see the church. Are you following what I'm saying in here? Oh, boy. Amen. I still haven't dealt with my text, and I got like five minutes left. Hallelujah. It's all that worship. It's all that good worship. Amen. Amen. 
So watch this. You've often heard me say, hallelujah, that while I don't necessarily pretend to walk in the office of a prophet, much of my preaching is prophetic. Because I'm not just, I'm not just interested at preaching to you. I'm also interested in imparting something to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And Jesus was the same way. That's why he told his disciples, before you go out there and evangelize the world and preach to everybody, wait for my impartation. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Because you need that so that you can do the preaching with power. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. So watch this now. Let's talk about Samuel in the last five minutes that we have. Watch this. According to the scripture that we just read and the life of Samuel, you begin to understand that Samuel was an oil carrier. First thing the text said was Samuel grabbed his oil, his vial of oil, and he went moving. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He was an oil carrier. It's amazing to me that the prophet is the man who gets designated to carry the oil. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't, you don't hear about a king being summoned to carry oil. It doesn't mean oil is not on him. He could be the recipient of oil. But what I'm saying is the prophet is the oil carrier. Watch this. Even the priests weren't summoned necessarily to carry it. Priests were anointed with oil too. And everything in the temple was anointed with oil. Are you following? And oil was needed in the temple. But they were never summoned to strap it to the side and take it everywhere they went. But the prophet was summoned to be an oil carrier. In other words, the prophet was a pourer of the oil. Put my next point up there real quick. Hallelujah. Uh, oil is released through the prophetic. I said oil is released through the prophetic. When you, when you read this story... When you read many of the stories of the Bible, when someone was anointed, they were anointed by the prophet. Are you hearing this preacher? Hallelujah. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. I got to jump around now. Watch this. Some assume, some assume. See, when I tell you, let me give you some offices. And you don't have to answer out loud because you might just get it wrong. So watch this. Uh, there's the office of the king. There's the office of the priest, and there's the office of the prophet. Jesus walked in all three. How many of you know that? Jesus walked in all three. Amen? Watch this. Some of you would assume that one outranks the other. And if you had to guess which one outranked which one, most of you would probably say the king is the highest rank. I would dare say that they don't necessarily outrank each other. They're just different offices. But if I had to guess, it wouldn't be the king. Because if you know your Bible like I do, and if you know this story, a king could not get installed without a prophet. And a king could not be released <laughs> without one either. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place, church? Oh, God, help me in here. The king could not install another king. The prophet had the oil. He has the oil, watch this, to verify the king and to authenticate the king. That's why when he shows up in Jesse's house, watch this, and he holds the oil over the wrong dude, the oil don't flow. Because the oil is there to verify. 
and to authenticate, to authenticate who it is. And so it won't flow until it gets up under the right head. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can go ahead and try to anoint the wrong person, but it won't flow. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. Let me give you a little more. Samuel poured the oil, according to the text that we read, verse 1, and then he kissed them. Now, why did he kiss them? This is not a public display of affection. Let me just throw that out there real quickly. That's not why he kissed them. Watch this. The oil is to verify. The kiss is to validate. God, help me in here. The kiss is to validate. The kiss is to let him know he is approved before he gets an opportunity to even mess up. So, so that he does not move, watch this, for the approval of men. And so God is so amazing. Watch this. Why do you think, why do you think, I got to close. Why do you think the father approves the son before he starts his ministry? God, help me in here. King Saul is about to start his ministry, and the prophet kisses him to validate him. To validate him. To let him know, listen, God approves of you before you even have an, an opportunity to be successful or unsuccessful. So that way, you don't do what you do for the applause of men. And then determine or use it to handle your low self-esteem issues. I don't preach from the pulpit for the approval of men. I don't use God's ministry to deal with and handle my personal esteem issues. I have been kissed by God. In other words, I have been validated by God before I even started this thing. So whether I do well or not, God has approved me. And so I don't need man's validation. Oh, God, help me in here. If you're in this place, shout glory. This is why when Jesus gets ready to start his ministry, he gets kissed from heaven. The heavens open. And the father says, this is my son. Watch this now. He hasn't started his ministry. Notice what he says. In whom I am. Are you blessed in here? Uh, I hope somebody's getting this. Hallelujah. I pray somebody's getting this. Amen. My, if I had time, I would talk to you about how he talked about how you have been given this opportunity, to, Saul, to steward over God's inheritance. It's not your inheritance. It's not your people. It's God's people. It's God's people. They're not your people. I'm amazed sometimes because he's called to be a king. And I'm amazed how leaders in our nation, hallelujah, automatically think, hallelujah, that this nation is theirs and this people are theirs, hallelujah. It's the Lord's inheritance. It's the Lord's. You are a steward over that which belongs to the Lord. And he told them, listen, basically it's a timed anointing because God's plan is going to outlive you. Like Moses, you might see it and not walk into it because you don't have enough life. This is why it's our responsibility to pass a mantle to the next generation because God's plan is going to outlive us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah, Jesus. Woo. And if you read the, next, the rest of that narrative, uh, the prophet makes sure that he talks to the king uh, about those donkeys that he lost. Amen. 
He talks to him about those donkeys that he's lost. And it's amazing to me because look what God is doing. Before he speaks into his future and into his destiny, he has to speak into his past. His past. Because the greatest hindrance of your potential is your past. You didn't hear what I just said. Put it up there because I think it's my point. Next point. Oh, there it is. My bad. Go back. The prophetic is important because the greatest hindrance to your potential is your past. That's why when he's getting ready to, watch this, release the Samaritan woman into her destiny, he first has to deal with her past. Get your husband. I'm going to set you free in a minute. But I got to deal with your past. I got to talk to you about your history before I talk to you about your destiny. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if we don't deal with your history, you're going to be too full of it. You're not going to have no room for your future. And so I have to empty you of your past so that you can make room for your future. Am I teaching okay? And this is why, this is why I believe America more than any, America needs a thus saith the Lord. Because America has been traumatized by the past. I can't. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. You will only go as far as the distance from your past. Are you hearing me? Oh. Uh, let me give you the last thing and I'll close, all right? Let me get the next point. I got more, but I'm going to close. I thought I was going to finish this tonight. Hallelujah. Three things you need to lead effectively. Three things. They're in the text. We read them. He told them, watch this. As you move, you're going to bump into a couple of men. These men are going to have with them goats, bread, and wine. Goats, bread, and wine. Are you in this place, church? I don't know if you've read the, the parable of the wheat and the tares or the parable that talks about how to do the sheep and the goats. Amen, somebody? Uh, goats represents a rebellious people, a rebellious people. And God is, watch this, God is letting the new king know through the prophet, hallelujah, that you're going to be dealing with some rebellious people. Amen, somebody. That not everybody in the nation is a sheep. <laughs> that not everybody in the nation is going to follow you. That there are many people, watch this, who are going to rebel against you as a king. And there are many people, watch this, who, like goats, will bite you back. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And we need to come to grips with the fact that America, God help me in here, is not a nation of sheep. There are sheep in America, but the whole nation. This is why the Bible says that in the last day, God will send his messengers to separate the sheep from the goats. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so know that as a leader, you're going to have to deal with some goats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to use them to help build you. How many of you know that an enemy is necessary? I wish I had time. I wish I had time. He will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Amen. When you're getting ready to be promoted, you usually have to fight a giant. So that's why I don't get nervous when I see giants. A giant is a sign that I've just arrived. 
That's why when he said, go and possess the land that I gave you, as soon as they got there, there was a giant. Because there's always a giant sitting on your promise. It shouldn't scare you. It should be a sign unto you that you've just arrived. Help me in here. I'm going to use them. Your enemy is a footstool. I use your enemy so that you can reach places and go higher than you ever could without one. This is why the psalmist said, I thank God for my... Your friends will celebrate you where you are. Ah, oh, you good, you good. No, you're not. Your enemies will push you where you need to be. That's why you ought to thank God for something. The next thing he gave him, was, the next thing he saw that he was going to need was bread. You need bread. Anybody know what the, what the bread is indicative of? Where are my scholars at? The word of God. The word of God. Because here's the reality. After you done hung around enough goats long enough, you have to be careful of the danger of becoming one. And so in order not to become like the goats around you, you need a word from the Lord. And you need one every day. Give us this day. Our daily bread. This is the stuff that God dropped from heaven in the wilderness so the people could be, watch this now, delivered enough <laughs> to walk into their destiny. Because even though they were out of Egypt, Egypt was still not out of them. And they were delivered, but partially. And so I said, God, send them bread so they could be delivered enough to walk into their destiny. And in order for you to walk into your destiny, you need to be eating bread every Every day. Amen, somebody. Amen. The men were carrying three loaves. The text said he was going to give them two. One in the morning. <laughs> because you need, anyway, I can't, I can't do it. But you, you need to get it in the morning. I would say you needed that. I would have took all three. I would have said I needed it at noon and I needed it at night. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the last thing was wine. The last thing was wine. Wine is indicative of an upgrade. I got to close. I'm closing now. Worship team, you can come up here. When I see you coming, I know. That's my signal. <laughs> Wine is an upgrade. Watch this now. When we go back to the wedding of Cana, where Jesus, watch this, turns water into wine. How many of you know that story? Or Jesus turns water into wine. Notice that the water is indicative, watch this, of ceremonial cleansing. You remember what Jesus does? Take those six water pots and fill them with water. Those water pots were the pots that the religious Pharisees would use to clean their hands before they ate. It was a, it was a picture of them trying to clean themselves. But how many of you know that no matter how hard you try, you can't clean yourself? I don't care if you got the spirit of Martha on you and you're a good house cleaner. When Jesus gets there, he's going to find some dirt. So Jesus said, that's not going to work. You need an upgrade. And so I'm going to turn the, God help me in here. I'm going to turn the water into wine. And watch this. Now you're not going to have to clean yourself because my blood is going to wash you. And so the water being turned to wine is a picture of us going from law to grace. Where, where the work is done. By me, the Lord.
and I will do for you what you could not do for yourself. You cannot put new wine. See, see, new wine, that's, that's an upgrade. In old wineskins, stiff people that are not flexible and are too rigid, they'll never hold my new stuff. But I got some new stuff that I want to pour into flexible, into people who are willing to expand their capacity. I will pour the mysteries of heaven because they'll be able to hold it. They'll be able to expand with it. They don't mind being stretched. Woo. Are you in this place, church? Upgrade. Anybody interested? In knowing the secrets of heaven? He said, I have manna you know not of. Are you hearing what I'm saying? My ways are above your ways. My thoughts are above your thoughts. God is, oh man. I hear God calling us to another place. If God were here, he would tell you, listen, understand that I'm different. I'm, I'm not black. I'm not white. I'm not Hispanic. I'm not Pentecostal. I'm not Baptist. I'm not even a member of your church. I am God. What he's saying is this. Watch this. I don't take, I don't take side. The only side I'm on is my own. Yeah, yeah. That's why Moses got up one day and said, who is on the Lord's side? Because he does have a side. This is why Joshua asked the angel, are you for me or are you against me? And he said, neither. I don't get on your side. You get on the Lord's side. Woo! Are you hearing what I'm saying? But what do we do often? We try to make God the mascot of our own struggle. We try to get God on, on our side. And if he really loves me, he'll show her that I'm right. still on ground level this is why he told them. I wish I had time after I got to close he told them after this after those three things you're going to go up on the mountain so that you can get prophetic perspective perception if you stay on ground level all you're going to see is what you've always seen if you stay down here all you're going to get is the familiar. From this low place, the only thing God guarantees is deliverance from the shadow of death. If you stay here, I'll protect you. But if you need information about your future, you need to come up to the high place you need to come to that church too if you were blessed today give God a hand clap in this place hallelujah